it appears that uh, yesterday's program on Tuesday got a unusually good response. I'll tell you all about that today in the program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Well, yesterday had a new friend of mine on the program, and we, we have been talking over several weeks about his his life and his background, and it just made sense to talk to him about how he got off the grid. And I was kind of curious what kind of response the program would have. And I think I've already forwarded a few emails off, and there's a few more that have still come in, I think. Uh, it, it apparently struck a nerve with many of you about how to survive living off the grid. And I know for some people who listen to a number of radio programs, they go, oh, what are you talking about? You know, life's been good. I'm I'm 55 or 60 years old, and, you know, I've seen a few power failures in my day. I've maybe suffered a, a hurricane in, in Florida or a tornado in Alabama and uh, or the winter in, in Texas, and, and here we are. What are you talking about, the grid going down? Well, there are a lot of reasons that it could. And I'm going to just give you from an engineering point of view, and then we'll talk about some other things that could also come into this mix. Number one, our power grid is not as robust in many areas as uh, power companies and regulatory officials would have you believe. And I I love the state of Texas, but I think that there was an underestimation of just how much wind turbines could do for them. And then they had the blizzard, and it kind of showed the issues with those turbines not being fully reliable and not being able to spin up quickly enough a backup power source. This fraudulent science of man-made global warming. That's what they used to call it for ages. It was global warming. And when it fraudulently didn't work out, they started calling it climate change. And what do we have the Biden administration calling it? It's the biggest uh, threat to the world. Climate change. Existential threat. That's, That's the term they love to throw around. It was what? Two and a half years ago, that we had a bartender from the Bronx in New York City ran for the office of Congress. And a very lazy Democrat that could have kept that seat for the rest of his life in that district because all you need is a D after your name. And if you had paid attention and didn't assume that you would win in a primary... Uh, he was he got snookered and all of a sudden this new media sensation alexandria court you know uh osceo cortez aoc as they call her became the new media fixation out of new york young little congresswoman former bartender with a law degree <laughs> of all things apparently she must not be a good lawyer if she's working as a bartender And then becomes, you know, she just, like a fluke, got into the Congress. And she says some of the most inept, insane, crazy things. 
and people just worship the ground she walks on. They think she's great. She's intelligent. She's smart. She's looking ahead to the future. And three years ago, she said we had 10 years left. 10 years left. Or it's everlastingly too late. The government must act now. It must act boldly. It must be dramatic. It must be draconian, really, in order for us to fix the world. Yeah, like the Chinese care. Like they're going to participate in this little freak show. Of course they're not. We can sit there and spend our money, go deeply in debt, kill off our industries, regulate ourselves into poverty, shut down factories, and also put our power grid and energy supply at risk. Total risk. Everybody talks about green new energy, electric cars. It all sounds wonderful. And and trust me, as a person who really appreciates technology, I can remember having a discussion, and I'm thinking this has got to be literally, literally 40 years ago, with a person that was trying to perfect the way to to have electric cars be, you know, be be feasible. He thought about like golf carts in the day. They're, they're not very efficient. You know, you have to keep recharging the batteries. But then again, you're not trying to drive, oh, I don't know, 25 or 30 miles on a charge. You're just going short distances on a golf course or like in a place I used to live in many years ago. Peachtree City had, had built a planned community where they had all these golf cart paths to get you to the parks and the little grocery stores right from behind your house, these these wonderful little pathways. And, and that's fine. It made sense in a community like that. And I saw nothing wrong with it at the time. I thought it was rather nice. But see, now you have this absurd craziness of everybody's going to have to do this. One of the things that we need to remember, our current electric grid is just barely enough to meet the current needs we have today. All that are really promoting some of these electric cars, and I've, I've listened to some of these people, and when you ask the question, so where's the electricity going to come from uh, to, you know, to charge these cars? And, well, you just plug them in at your house. And then you try to explain to them, do you realize how much electricity it's going to take to charge these large battery cells? You don't plug a little wall wart in the wall like, you know, powers a cell phone or something. That's not going to charge your car. And they don't understand to get a level two charger. I think that's what they're called, level two. I read about this a few weeks ago and did some trying to do the math on it. You know, you got to have like a 30 or 40 amp, 220 volt service. That's like, you know, what you use for your oven or your dryer. And then you're going to turn it on and run this oven and dryer all night to charge the batteries. Obviously, that electricity is not free. And while there may be an efficiency 
which is not too bad in electric. I understand there's a lot of good about them. They're also expensive to make by comparison. And then the batteries. Takes a lot of mining. Takes a lot of destruction of the environment to, to make the batteries. And what are we going to do with them when they go bad? The, these are things nobody wants to address. But give you an example. Not long ago in California... They had some brownouts, and and the word got out, uh, don't charge your electric car tonight. We don't have enough electricity. Now, there are not that many electric cars out there yet. Can you imagine in a state like California having millions upon millions of electric cars all plugging in at night, using more power than heat and air conditioning and ovens and stuff to charge a car? It that we don't have the capacity. The capacity is not there. In other words, these electric cars are really not free to operate. Some people are acting like, oh, it's, you know, you just charge it at the house. You know, your power bill is going to go up. And there's not going to be enough capacity in the power grid to meet all the need. Well, we'll just build more wind and, and solar. Okay, how many acres will that take? How much will that cost? What is the return on investment? In other words, a lot of these ideas, they they sound wonderful. And there is a lot of promise in a lot of these alternative energy sources. Don't get me wrong. I'm a believer in solar power. I really am. But not often in the way that it's being marketed in the way that it's being overly planned. I think we accomplished that yesterday on the program to understand that depending upon your need, it can be done. I look at it for for myself and my wife. What, what can we do with it? And where where's the best way to do it? How could we do it? Would it be cost efficient? And do we need to do it? And I'm increasingly agreeing that we do need to do it because the day is going to come when some of this power is going to become increasingly more unreliable. Many of you already know this, and I'm not going to go into all the detail, but the term is called EMP, electromagnetic pulse, EMP, electromagnetic pulse. It was something that was discovered rather by accident many, many years ago in the beginning of the atomic age. The United States government was, you know, testing atom bombs and hydrogen bombs to see what they would do. And, and they, they exploded one over the Pacific Ocean, and I'm, I can't remember how many miles. It was a fairly good number of miles away from Hawaii. And so they put the bomb out there way up in the air and it blew up. And a funny thing happened on this particular bomb. A lot of electronics and and even traffic lights and things in, I can't remember, I think in Honolulu, broke because of that electronic pulse. Now, remember, 
in the 1940s, the average home didn't have that many, quote, electronics in use. Light bulbs, uh, radios with vacuum tubes, motors. In other words, there was not a whole lot of electronic stuff in the house. This is before solid state. This is before the integrated circuit. This is before all of the computer stuff that we have on our cell phones and the technology that is digital today which tend to be more sensitive to these kind of things. Well, over the years, because of that phenomena, a lot of studies been done, and it is recognized. And when I worked in emergency management, you may not hear about it much on the TV, but it's something that we in emergency management were constantly going to, to seminars and programs and updates about those potentials. And understand that A lot of governments like China, North Korea, even the Taliban, for that matter, they recognize that the destruction that could be done by taking down a power grid is greater than taking out a small city. I mean, think about it. If you could put enough stress on the power grid to collapse it for days or weeks or months, months, Some people claim maybe years, if it's enough damage. What would happen? What would happen in a society where there is no electricity for, let's say, two months? Well, food will be a problem. Transportation will be a problem. How are you going to run those gas pumps at the 7-Eleven? There's no electricity. Well, we got generators. Well, how are you? In other words, you're going to overtax the system. Refrigeration, how are you going to keep things refrigerated? How are the traffic lights going to operate? In other words, can you see the cascading effect? In our society today, the way we are so computer and cell phone centric, I have a lot of friends who I admire and we agree on so much, but the one thing that I I draw a line on is some of what I call the 5G conspiracy. The 5G is not going to be activating with the Moderna vaccine to turn you into robots. That is not going to happen. I've seen some of the papers, and some of the stuff I see is absolutely 1950s, poorly done sci-fi movie. They're not even talking in terms of proper electronics and proper knowledge. It all sounds good, but it's a bunch of baloney. The danger of 5G is going to be how fast you can move data in a split second and how much data would move in that split second compared to what we have now. And how many IoT, Internet of Thing devices, will we become more dependent upon because of 5G, which begins to then really monitor all the things you're doing. That's the danger. How much are we putting of ourselves out there into the grid system, which includes not just electricity, but data, lots of data. And see, I'm a little bit more uh, reserved. There are certain things I don't care about people knowing, and there are certain things that I do. I have a Gmail account, and it's been ages since I put anything serious in a Gmail to anybody. It's my junk mail and garbage mail account. 
If you want to send me junk mail, I have a Gmail account specifically for all that garbage mail, and it allows me to access certain Google things if I need them. But I don't put anything up that's of any importance on Google Docs. They're not going to have access. I don't use all this free stuff from Google. Why? Because the more free stuff you take from them, the more of yourself, your data and information you must release to them, to which they sell to the government and any third-party marketer that wants it. So I have a junk Gmail account. A lot of my friends, and I have one too, we have a Proton Mail account. And hopefully that'll be more secure. The emails that I do for Truth to Ponder come off a server which I have control. So I, I'm not selling anybody's information. When you write me at Bob at Truth, the number two ponder.com, I'm not selling you out. I'm not giving any third party data to anybody. It's between you and me the way it's supposed to be. So my fears for the future, what would happen? I mean, some people talk about the power grid being down for two or three years, and maybe that could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't. But let's say something that statistically could happen, realistically could happen. What would happen in the dead of winter, for example? That would be the worst time for it to happen. The dead of winter, and the electricity goes off. For one month, for most of the United States, what would happen? How would you eat? How would you get food? How would you get your medications if you need them? How would you make phone calls? How would you communicate? Do you see the problem? Do you understand the depth of why having some kind of a plan for food, for electricity? And and as we learn from... Jim Calhoun yesterday. You don't have to have something that runs every cotton pick and appliance in your house. Besides, if the power grid was ever down, forget about the TV stations being on. There'd be so little working in communications except maybe ham radio, which could be picked up on some shortwave radios because many of the high-powered shortwave radio stations would also be off the air. Well, what about generators? <laughs> Do you, you have no idea when it comes to some of the big stations, how much of a generator you would need to operate those facilities and how many gallons of fuel per hour you would burn. It's just not economically feasible for many of these high-powered, privately-owned shortwave stations to operate. Now, what could happen And what should happen, and one of the things that I pray can happen, is to have a backup system where transmitters don't have to be 50 and 100 to 250,000 watts. Something in the range of, you know, two, three, or 4,000 watts into the right antenna can cover most of the United States, at least at night. Now, that could be operated on a solar array with batteries to back it up to run it at night. Charge by day, run by night. That would work. And those shortwave radios you have, because I've experimented with this so I know, 
pull up that little whip antenna, you could be sitting in a state like Idaho, Michigan, and from Florida or Texas, you could receive a signal. At night, you'd have communication coming in. So, yes, it could be done. And that's one of the things that I'm looking at for what I call the total backup emergency failure, like during a a hurricane or something of that nature, is a backup AUX system. And that's what I want to petition and get done. That's one of the things I have in the back of my mind to prepare. I look at where I live. How How could I do that in certain places? Well, in our little Georgia home, we can heat with wood just fine, and I have enough to get by an entire winter i could we could make make it happen refrigeration would be no trouble in the winter time keeping it from freezing would be a bigger problem so refrigeration is possible heat is possible basic lighting is very possible and so i'm thinking in terms of the realistic things could be that could be done to sustain our household for 2 months If you really want to do damage to Florida, you do it in the summertime when you desperately need air conditioning. Very suffocating for a lot of people that are not used to the heat. In the summertime, which is basically June until November, it can be very hot. Pretty much the entire hurricane season. And after a storm, it can be not only hot, but muggy. I've been twice in my life to the few days after a hurricane and i i can attest to just how muggy hot and humid it could be so getting back to what i'm talking about beginning to understand how to prepare how do we get ourselves ready what things do you know what are your skills i know what my skills are and i know a lot of what jim calhoun has to say by the way people have asked Does Jim Calhoun have a website? Does he have a podcast? He's working on that right now on what I call my Truth to Ponder radio. By the way, I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but at least for the online radio station, and there are people listening to it, I will probably include him in that mix. But I'm certain that he'll also be available as a podcast. Now, I know a lot of folks say, yeah, but I don't like to use the Internet. Well, we've been doing the free-to-air satellite, and the response has just not been there. And I'm going to have to come to a point to decide how much can I afford to keep putting out of my personal investment to to seed this. And the response is simply not there right now. So this is a deep concern. Uh, Free-to-air satellite is great, but it also is dependent upon the Internet to get the signal to the upload place. So it, it, it is complicated. Uh, there is no analog methodology to operate it. So, you know, it, it's good for those that don't have Internet. I get it. There's supposedly a lot of receivers out there. But honestly, in the three months now almost we've been operating, I have yet to hear from anybody that has said that I do listen to you on Galaxy 19. The opportunity came, and it was at a rate that made sense to give it a try. In other words, it wasn't a huge gamble. But after this month, it becomes very expensive, and and I just can't see continuing. It was worth a try. It's like when we tried 
KVOH in Los Angeles. At first, I was concerned because I spent some money uh, of our personal funds to get it started. And thankfully, it's been able to take care of itself pretty much since. It was a little slow in getting started. We have the station in Delta, Utah. The response is beginning to pick up on that station. So it it is financially sustainable over the time. So, you know, I have to be careful. We are not a big organization. I don't have grant fund coming in. I don't have a lot of money that I, I inherited or something. You know, my wife and I, we are retired on a fixed income, and it's not a huge one. We're blessed with two properties and no mortgages. But, you know, and and we don't we don't have a whole lot of debt compared to what a lot of people have. It's for the moment sustainable. As we try to live our lives and and prepare to have even less, you know, outgoing in the next couple of years. As we prepare to be down to full retirement with no other outside incomes. So, you know, I get it. And but then again, this world is unstable, so who knows if it's going to be mean anything or not. And when I get into the next half hour, I've got some other stories. You know, you you actually have people now that are saying, you know, if you're unvaccinated, maybe you shouldn't be allowed to the grocery store. Maybe they should just take away your Medicare, maybe cut off your social security until you take the shot. Yes. Because you're just an infector. You're a killer of grandmas. Well, I got some stories that show that may not necessarily be the case. And also about the... uh, I'm still trying to find out, by the way. I'm still looking for some material that the, the FDA refers to, but it just simply can't be found on their website like they said it could or should. And, you know, so to me, this full approval or approval, whatever they technically called it, doesn't meet the smell test. Let me say that again. It doesn't meet the smell test. Name me a major vaccine that we give to everybody 12 and up or even 5 and up or whatever the case may be, infancy and up, that was approved in only, mm, oh, about a year year and a half name me one there have been some that have gotten through in seven or eight and many what are called novel or unique i think the term is unique vaccine where it's not based upon any technology we have used before in other words we go into some uncharted territory that's the best way to describe it there are some questions you can get answered Question number one, prior to this, has there ever been a successful vaccine for a coronavirus? Answer, no. What do you mean, no? Well, we've been trying for 20 years, and at year number two and three, it all begins to fail and backfire. Oh. And so we're going to say that we've been able to accomplish in less than a year what always seems to fail in three, where is the long-term study on people's health? And I'm going to be dealing with that a little bit in the next half hour. But as far as the program, 
uh, and having I, I plan on having Jim Calhoun a guest again. And maybe I'm debating which day of the week, maybe Tuesday, maybe Thursday, because Wednesday, today's program, the only thing about Wednesday that is that I don't like is the one hour I wish that I had on WRMI at 10 p.m. I can't get uh, because it has been contracted long before I came along. There's nothing to do with it. You know, it's just it is what it is. Um, that time at 10 o'clock on the frequency of 5950, was only available Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. And that I've had to live with that. If it ever became open, believe me, I will take it on Wednesday. So we rely on the two airings um, on 5950 and 9395 for those that listen to shortwave at uh, 5 Eastern and 6 p.m. Eastern. And then on, on uh, KVOH at 11 p.m. Eastern on 9975. And that's what we have on Wednesdays currently, plus the radio station in Delta, 3 p.m. local time in uh, in Delta, Utah. So you see where we're at. I would love to have more, and we're working on that. There is the possibility, and I'm really, I got some emails to send out as soon as I uh, finish putting together today's program on, on some other things that may be exciting news to share in the not-too-distant future. I will look for any other airtime that is out there. People have recommended stations like WBCQ. Maybe that's a possibility. I know what it would cost. I've also had others recommend WINB, and they're out of Red Lion, Pennsylvania, and I know what they would cost. And right now, I don't have it to try it. If I had it, I would try it out each station for a month. And if I had enough, make it two months, and then if they, they, if they can... Get enough response. And it doesn't take a whole lot of people giving a small amount. It all adds up to cover the bill. And then that airtime is covered. I would love to be on several more stations. And I pray about that all the time because I really believe that it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do a lot of this stuff on the Internet. And I've got that to talk about and a bunch of other stories. But, no, Jim Calhoun, I'm going to be working with him this week. And I hopefully, maybe next Tuesday, maybe next Thursday, I will have him again as a guest for the for pretty much a good chunk of the program. And maybe even another time during the week, have a small little update, maybe a five or ten minute segment, just to give you some tips on little things you can do. And also to let him then be able to tell people how they can access uh, his podcast and what he's doing and and website when he if he gets one together. I'll I'll talk to him about that as well. Maybe I can give him some help. So keep that in prayer as we go to our break. I want to thank all of you that have been listening, and I know I just been kind of just sharing from the heart in this first segment today on the program the things that I see. Yeah. Could there be a power failure prolonged? Some say it could be years. Some say, hey, if it's just two months, people will be very hungry and in really bad shape. It only takes 30 to 60 days. And you would have a total, absolute, unmitigated disaster on your hands. Are you prepared? And we'll be really getting into more on preparation it's good to talk about the news. And I, I've, like I say, in the next segment, I've got 
just a handful of stories and a few little things that kind of just give you some insight to be ready. But also, I need to get us back into God's Word. This is becoming really on, on, the, on my mind as I, I sometimes wake up at night. My wife said, you're flopping and flipping in the bed. What's wrong? Well, my mind is thinking about, what does God want me to do with this radio program? Yes, giving you the news is absolutely a necessity. You need to have it. You need to be informed. You need the truth. And a lot of what we're getting today is lies, even from our media, even from our government. We know that. We know that. You can tell by the fact that so many uh, of the narratives have constantly changed and morphed on a dime. And we're supposed to believe the new, the new mantra and just disregard you know, what we told you before. And we have people living in fear. We're being divided. It's getting to be a very dangerous time, and I'll be sharing that in a minute. If you believe in the program and you consider supporting it with just even a small uh, a gift, I'm going to be making some changes. I still use, I don't like to, but I'm still using PayPal at the moment. And, you know, I, I, I think that I've got a plan, hopefully before the end of this month, that I'm going to have something else and then I'll leave PayPal there until people just stop using it and anything that I've had attached to it, I can disconnect. So I'm working on something to, to get away from certain kind of places. And I just feel that need to be done. If you can help us, a check made out to Ancient Word Radio works fine. And that could be sent to 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire, Lane, number 263. That's our secure box, number 263. We are in Sky Valley. That's two words, Sky Valley. We are in the state of Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. That's 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Now, when I get back, I think some of the stories I'm going to share, they're going to be just kind of in rapid uh, fire motion. I think are going to be a wake-up call for many of you. I kind of see a few things coming down the road, and I want you to be prepared, and I want you to have the truth in mind so when it comes, you won't be surprised. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Godly Fast Track, coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In Proverbs 16, 17, it says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil, and he who watches his way preserves his life. The highway of the upright, or the righteous, is to depart from evil. The highway of the righteous, it says. Now, it doesn't say the old country road of the righteous. It doesn't say the old dirt winding road. It says highway. What does that mean? That means fast. Fast. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. To depart from evil, that's a highway. It's a fast track. It's the fast track to God's will. It's the fast way to God's joy. It's the fast way to God's peace. But the key is also when you depart from evil, do it as if you're on a highway. When you depart from that temptation, don't do it slow. Don't play around with it. Don't entertain it. Don't have a long, drawn-out talk with it. Run from it. Do like Joseph did. 
run from it. Get away from it immediately. Get on the highway. As soon as that thing comes up, that that questionable thing, that questionable situation, get out of it. Run out of there. That questionable indulgence, run out of there. As soon as it starts, floor the pedal. Get on the highway. Floor it. Because you don't leave sin on an old dirt road. You'll leave it in a hurry, on the fast lane, on the highway of the upright. Want more? Ask for it. Let it roll. Now, how'd you like to move mountains? Well, you can with Sapphire's The Super Spiritual Supplement to help turn your walk into a super life with God. Plus the incredible mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it and it's free. How do you get it free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name. Yeshua and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. And you will be blessed, my friend. But call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the ancient people of God and to reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You can really touch the world through shortwave broadcasts. It's incredible. Just call yeh Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's my address. It's the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111. That's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. And the zip, it's 07644. It's Nice Jewish Boy, 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, peace be to you, my friend in Messiah. Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Wednesday get-together here on Truth to Ponder. I want to thank you for listening. Got a couple of stories that I'm going to share here in just a moment. I mentioned as I went into the break, we, we do have that satellite channel. I'm not sure I'm going to keep it, but how many of you have gone to our website? I know that hundreds daily go to the regular website truth the number two ponder.com and i think many of you are probably listening to the program from the website which is which is wonderful but there's a button there maybe you haven't noticed it and i'm hoping that you will notice it where it says truth to ponder radio and we have an online radio station and you know there's some people that are looking at it but I, I know I need desperately to redo the entire website to make it vastly more user-friendly. I want to keep it very straightforward to the point where you can find out quickly about the show, where to hear it, where to find it, and even how to listen to it from the website through one of the uh, podcasting sources. The one I'm, I'm putting on the homepage now is from PodPoint. And there's two advantages. Podpoint is a Christian service. You can subscribe, and when a new program is ready, you'll be notified, and then you can listen at your convenience. Just so you know, that's how that works. No charge. And, you know, we pick up the charge on that, and it should be advertising-free. Now, the other system we're using where you have Spreaker or even along with uh, Anchor, which gives us uh, Spotify and other places. There is an advertisement there I have no control over. So just so you know, 
there there can be advertising on some of the other sites and uh, but that's not for me that's for them just so you know but check out if you would like to hear the christian music we have playing it's free you can listen online and if people continue to listen we'll continue to keep that that service going uh, i'm just not certain about the satellite i feel very strongly that i'm not getting the response and uh, on galaxy 19 we had a very fair way to try it out and i'm beginning to realize that you know nothing ventured nothing gained and so that may be uh, going aside in the not too distant future and we'll continue with the online and maybe i need to have additional programs and, and for example uh jim calhoun my guest from yesterday He's producing a podcast, and I'm going to see if I can find a day or two during the week and the weekend uh, to play his podcast. So we're, we're working on that right now, and I'll, I'll let you know how that all comes together, just so you know. And uh, that's just one of the things behind the scenes. Looking for additional shortwave time, uh, maybe in October it looks like right now. Something that I'm working on is beginning to finally come together, and we're happy about that. So keep it in prayer. Keep my wife and I in prayer. We'll be traveling probably mid to late September down to Florida for a time and then back up probably to Georgia. There's a lot of reasons, and and uh, I think that ministry-wise, it just makes sense. Some other ministry things also going on in the background. Keep it in prayer, if you, if you would. I'd appreciate it ever so much. Now, getting back to our program today. Um, I have some news stories that I was looking at, and and I just wanted to share. When you look at, I, I, I'm not going to do a whole lot on on, on COVID nineteen per se, but just some of the reaction and some other stories out there. You know, there are a lot of people, and I'm sure that many of the listeners to this program are are choosing not to receive the vaccine. And, and the reasons that many state, look, there are a lot of, lot of over-the-top people out there saying it's going to wipe out two-thirds of humanity or 90% of the people in two or three years. I'm not going to go there because I have nothing and, and no credibility or no credible information to that effect. But what I do have, what I do know, it is affecting a lot of people in a very negative way. And the one thing we do not know, how will that impact in the years going forward? A more, I think, more rationed point of view that many share, and I, I lean in this direction until I learn otherwise, uh, that they wonder, okay, what if you were supposed to, all things, you know, being normal, like, you know, if you didn't have a, a, a you know, a, a tragic car accident or something along that line, Maybe maybe you would have lived to be, let's say, 86, but you made it to 78 because of this vaccine. And that's what a lot of people are saying, that this could bring on other health issues down the road. There's a number of doctors that are, that are talking in terms of how they're seeing increased cancer. And their reasoning is very simple. There's a doctor that... Um, a good friend of mine and listener to this program shared with me. The guy's name is Dr. Ryan Cole. He belongs to a group called uh, Health Freedom Idaho. He makes it very clear that he is not anti-vaccine. He's pro-good science. 
He also believes that we should have control over deciding what kind of things we inject into our bodies. And he says to step back, look at the data, forget the politics, take an analysis of the situation and, you know, push aside the fear in the media. And he wants to encourage logic and an approach in this manner to, that preserves liberty and protects people. And he believes, like I do, that it's criminal to mandate everybody on the planet or in the United States or the country or New York City or anywhere must take this vaccine that I don't care. You can don't give me this nonsense. But the FDA approved it. Yeah, they short circuited most of their normal process bragging that you did. You know, you didn't do all the studies. We don't know the long term effect doesn't tell me. And he, he goes, like, especially leave the kids alone. They've, they've survived this pretty much 100%. But he's seeing a 200% increase in heart damage in young and men after this. And the damage can scar the heart. And that's long term. He considers it unethical and a violation of morality. And so he had this statement. He has a, a fairly lengthy video. But I, I saw this and I wanted to share just what Dr. Cole, his name is Dr. Ryan Cole, listen carefully to what he says. A lot of people are simply not going to get this shot. I've heard administrators from the system say, oh, we'll make you cave, you'll cave. I have plenty of nurses who have shared with me that that's the uh, mantra within administration, we're gonna make you cave. They won't, they will leave. They will stand for principle and their bodily integrity and their long-term health. And they have every right to do that, to not be a subject in, in human experimentation and coercion. So they're going to see huge staffing shortages, huge. I uh, have a friend in Indiana uh, reached out today and looked at a couple articles from there. There are already shortages in their in their staffing within their hospital system. They're trying to do the same thing. Another physician group out of Michigan, same thing. They already have shortages. Now they're going to have massive shortages. So this isn't just a mandate on employees of a healthcare system. This is a mandate and an attack on an entire community and an entire community's wellness and access to care. They pride themselves with this, these institutions to say, oh, we're here for the patient, we're here for the community. This clearly says they're not. It is, it is literally the antithesis of that. They're flipping the script and, and giving a, you know, mellifluous uh, commentary on how much they're here for us, but they're literally attacking us and our access to care because those nurses don't want their bodies damaged. They don't want their fertility damaged. They don't want their long-term immune health damaged. They don't want to increase their risk for cancers. But I'm seeing the signals in the laboratory already. Um, they don't want to subject themselves to that, and they should not have to be coerced into an experimental shot, as it says in the emergency authorization, investigational vaccine in order to maintain employment. This is a violation. We made a promise in 1947 after World War II that we never again would experiment on humanity or coerce anybody against their will. And literally, this is what we're seeing. I mean, there were Nazi nurses and doctors hung for doing exactly what we're doing to humanity right now, saying, you will participate in an experiment or else you will lose your job. And he's 100% right. People are losing their jobs. And I was reading some stories, you know, you remember like in Texas, there was the, the Methodist Hospital, I can't remember the name. They fired 150 of their staff who refused to get the vaccine. 
and they had the attitude when they did it, well, they're just dispensable. There'll be plenty of other people. <laughs> well, now they got a shortage because they can't find anybody to work, even when they increase the pay scale. People aren't doing it. I understand a couple of things. There are a lot of people in the medical profession that just are, pardon me for putting it this way, many, and I know some, that are almost blind believers in whatever the medical establishment tells them because that's where their paycheck comes from. And they believe it because this is what they've been told to believe and this is part of their job. This is what they do day in and day out. And many are just willing to go along. There are those in Canada that if they speak out against what's going on, they're not allowed to practice medicine in Canada. They just go, there's no income for you. You starve. You have nothing. You're fired. One of the problems with a totally socialistic health care system, one entity, the government, hires and fires and sets the narrative. You know, a little danger here. And I, I read this, you know, our Surgeon General... And I find him a very disturbing and and very creepy individual with some of the things that he says. You know, Viverick Murthy is his name. He criticized social media platforms. He said they're not doing enough to stop the spread of misinformation. In other words, they're not doing enough to censor. They're not doing enough to to keep the government-only propaganda going. That's what he says. Said it on CNN. And, and he, he condemns these platforms. They need to just do whatever the government tells them because the government knows best. And many of them capitulate. They really do. But I, I am concerned, like I say, the whole Pfizer thing, they made a big deal out of it on Monday, and I'm still questioning it because there's some underlying documents that I still cannot find. Maybe you can look for it. Look for the letter of August the 12th to Pfizer they keep referring to which is supposedly the real authorization. What are the limitations? I can't tell you. So I've got questions, but man, it didn't take long for the de Blasios and every other communist-minded tyrant to say, mandates, now you must get it because it's approved. It's approved. The president says it's approved. Approved by a very political organization. The FDA, the CDC, used to be independent and they used to really care about health. Now they and, and they used to talk about really caring about science. Now they just care about political science. They ram that through for political expediency. Look at the people in charge. I'm telling you, you can't trust them. There was a interview also on a program called Clay and Buck. And there, there's a reporter that used to be with the New York Times, and I follow him quite a bit, Alex Berenson. Boy, he put his reputation on the line, and and he he talked to them, uh, to Clay and Buck, uh, to give an analysis on some of these vac- vaccinations, and and he mentioned the question was asked about looking at Israel, one of the most vaccinated areas in the world, and and what's happening there. There was a little misunderstanding. Is it more or less uh, compared to last year? But listen carefully as Alex, you know, gets into this with uh, Clay and Buck. Trends continue uh, within a few more days. There will be more vaccinated people hospitalized in Israel in 2021 in August than there were total uh, 
people hospitalized in Israel in August 2020, assuming trends continue, and I and I do think they will continue. Certainly, the Israelis are very, very concerned that they'll continue. Um, and they're talking about a variety of, of lockdown and mask measures that they, you know, that they'd eliminated because because COVID was supposed to go away once you got really high vaccination rates. Yes. What is going on is that the vaccines are failing. Okay, I'm not allowed to say it that way openly on Twitter anymore, but I can say it to your audience. I can say it to you. The vaccines are failing. There's two possible reasons they're failing. One is time that you get this burst of antibodies at, at, after the second dose when you're, you know, when you're quote unquote fully vaccinated. Those antibodies don't last. They don't last that long if you get COVID naturally either. But what happens if you get COVID naturally is you have a broader immune response. Your T cells and your B cells, which are, which are immune system cells that are responsible for long-term immunity, they're the reason why, you know, you, you, you don't get measles decades after your uh, measles vaccination. Um, it's not because you have antibodies to measles circulating. It's because your T and B cells know how to recognize measles. The vaccines do not seem to produce a good response, at least in one very important form of T cell. So when your antibodies go away, your protection seems to go away. So that's one that's one potential problem. The second potential problem is that is is that the is that the uh, the, the virus is mutating, right? So there so there's the, there's a Delta variant. The Delta variant is a real thing. And unfortunately, it appears that natural immunity provides broader protection against mutated variants than vaccine immunity. Now, the worst case scenario, which I have barely talked about because there's not strong evidence for right now, and I don't want to freak people out, but there, a paper came out on Monday in a British journal, and it's a real British journal, suggesting that this is at least a theoretical possibility is something called antibody-dependent enhancement. What that means is that that the antibodies that you produce after being vaccinated, if the variant mutates in a specific, if the virus mutates in a specific way, might wind up actually not blocking the variant from entering your cells, but helping the variant to enter your cells. That is a very dangerous thing if it happens. And those are the kind of things that our Surgeon General calls misinformation. You can't you can't challenge the narrative. You can never say anything that I do not approve of. It's vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Everybody must have the vaccine to get past this. Can I give you my unashamed, unabashed opinion about all of this? And, and it goes back to my early days when this pandemic started and I was actually working in emergency management and I watched the ton of misinformation and predictions that were just a bunch of baloney, malarkey, whatever you want to call it. How many were supposed to die in the county that I was serving? They said 3,000 by, by, you know, July something, you know, end of June, July, maybe August. That was last year, by the way. And I think it was at that time that I left before then 43 people, they claimed died of COVID, not 3,000. We spent lots of money preparing for 3,000 bodies to be uh, placed in storage, extra hospital space that went unneeded. The hospital actually was laying off staff. But see, you don't hear much about that. I saw it firsthand. We have people... Now that are, that, that, you know, we have people that are just screaming, I've had my vaccine. You're a killer. Get out of here. You're a killer. You're not vaccinated. You're spreading the virus. And it turns out the real super spreaders that have, oh, hundreds of times more of the viral load are the ones with the vaccine to begin with. 
They're the super spreaders. They're not, I mean, I'm sorry, this is, I'm not super spreading misinformation. I'm giving you something that is factually findable. But these are the things that, that Murtha and CNN, like a cat bearing, you know, bearing his business, tries to cover up because it screws up their narrative. It screws up their control. De Blasio is loving it. They're all celebrating last week in New York City last weekend, I guess it was, this past weekend. You know, having a wonderful time with Barry Manilow and all the stars. And they're all talking about vaccine. And nobody wants to talk about the long term. And we there, there's so much information out there. And every time it you know, Facebook goes, that's misinformation, they cut you off. Twitter cuts you off. I don't want some foolish kid with, you know, tattoos and face piercings riding a riding a skateboard to work telling me what medical science is all about. If that's what I was told to tell you, it's misinformation. All these fact checkers, they're phony as get out. They're all, and then you got these bot farms. You know what a bot farm is? B-O-T, bot farm? Picture one, hundreds of cell phones connected to a computer and they all have different names and they're all have different accounts with Twitters and Facebooks setting up a phony and fake narrative. You're being duped, my friend, into believing a bunch of malarkey. Telling you. There's a lot out there. You've got Dr. Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. Criticizing and saying, you know, we need to do what Hitler did. Get a get a get a new Joseph Goebbels to run all the tech so they can control the flow of information. That's what it's coming down to. Daisy Luther, with a little organization called Organic Prepper, wrote an article, and she's right. She she looks at some of the things that people are saying. You know, Don Lemon at CNN believes all the unvaccinated should not be allowed to even go buy food or go to work. In other words, they should have no money and they should starve to death, in his opinion. Dr. Anthony Fauci, who I call the father of the virus and the wizard of COVID, has changed his mind. He has lied to us over and over and over again, yet he's held out by CNN and MSNBC as a god. The man needs to be arrested. That's just my personal opinion. And the concerns about vaccination are just irrational. I mean, there's a lot we're seeing. You heard it from Israel. Tomorrow, we're going to get back to some really serious things. You know, and, and and understand, you got people saying we need to get tested daily if you're not vaccinated, denying loans, denying Medicare, denying gun permits and even driver's licenses. That's what the world wants of the unvaccinated. Pray that we can put a stop to it. If you believe in the Ministry of Truth to Ponder, would you consider giving us some support to pay for the radio airtime? Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, our secure box in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and our zip code is 30537. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.